This week we started a new lesson entitled One, looking at how we are called to be unified in the body of Christ, how we are called to be in community with one another, and called to be with one another. And we started off by looking at the idea of in 2020, when we were all in quarantine, how for many of us, the idea of of being virtual, whether it was in meetings or worship or whatever the purpose may be, uh, for a, a little while had this draw, but very, very quickly lost its luster. And the reasoning behind that was because we realized that we wanted to be in community and whether we realize it or not, we were beginning to notice that virtual is not real. Uh, We had for so long settled for a virtual reality of Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all of those things, but we realized that those were not real community. And what we longed for was real relationships. But why do we need these real relationships? And I think we can find that at the very beginning in Genesis 1.26 where we hear God say, let us create humankind in our own image. And we see that God is relational through the Trinity. And when we hear those words of let us create. And if God is relational through the Trinity and we are created in the image of God, then therefore we are created to be in relationship, to long to be in relationship, to be relational. We are created to be together. And, and for many of us, 2020 has opened our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to the fact that we miss that connection. And I know that for many of us, this idea of being in community and being unified and being in unity with one another, it's counterproductive to what our culture says, that it's all about me, it's all about individuality. But what we've realized is that what culture teaches and what we have been doing are two different things. That culture says it's all about you, but we were created to realize that it's about so much more than just me. It's about the community. And this is this goes all the way to, I was reading a an article by the Mayo Clinic that looks at a lot of different health issues. And one of the things that they say is that we are benefited by having friendships and connection, which we, we know this, we've learned this, but they said that some of the benefits are that it will prevent loneliness, which is obvious, provide needed companionship, obvious, right? I mean, it, it, you're not lonely if you're with somebody. Most of the time, you have companionship. It increases a sense of belonging. It it can boost your happiness and reduce your stress. And it improves your self-confidence and self-worth. It can help you cope with trauma. And, and, And being in friendships and connections encourages you to change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits. Ultimately, what we hear is we are created to need each other. And even the Mayo Clinic, as they release this article on the health benefits of it, echoes that we need each other. We need to be connected. Paul, in his writing to the church in Rome, he's kind of writing saying, you know, all this theology that we've talked about is great, but please don't lose sight of the fact that you can have all the head knowledge in the world, we are, but we are called to be in community together, to do this Christian thing together. We can't do it alone. 
And he goes on in Romans 12, verses 4 through 6, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the graces given to us. And it goes on to list the gifts and the graces. And ultimately what Paul is pointing to is that while there are many of us, we are called to be one in the body of Christ. We all we all are called to be unified in our purpose and in our drive, which is to serve and honor God. And we all have different gifts and graces to do so. It goes on that we can't all be eyes, we can't all be ears. And for some of us, we go, well, I'm the eye because I can see things. And I'm the ear because I can I hear things. And, I, and, and I'm the hand because I, I'm a doer. And some of us, we may look around and go, well, you're like the appendix. We're not really sure what you do, but we're just afraid that you may rupture and blow up one day and kill us all. We don't know. But that we all have a purpose to serve in the body. And we need each other. But what this also points us to is this reality that unity does not equal uniformity. We, we are not all called to be the exact same. And thank God, because I think the world can only handle one of me. But you're allowed to have your opinions and about different things, about the best football team or whatever. Even if your opinion's wrong, you're allowed to have it. But what we're being pointed to is that there's only one thing that you're not allowed to have your own opinion about, and that's how you treat one another because we are called, if we are claiming the name of Christ in the body of Christ, to treat one another in love. John 17, verses 20 through 23 shows this beautiful prayer that Jesus says. And it says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through, the, through their word. So Jesus is praying not only for the 12 disciples or for the, his disciples, but he's praying for all that will come to know his word. And then he says, he goes on to say in verse 21, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. In I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and I have sent, loved them even as you have loved me. Four times in a four-verse prayer, Jesus prays for unity, for us to be one. So if Jesus prays for it, I'm pretty sure that Jesus thinks that it is that we can do it. And so how do we do this? How do we accomplish this? I think first thing that we need to do is we need to identify with Jesus as we hear him say, just as you have done this for me. We, we, we need to be unified through our relationship with Christ. That needs to be the, the driving force in our unity and the fact that we are on one accord driven towards our love for Jesus Christ. It, it's kind of like when your, your parents may disagree on what they want you to do, uh, but the one driving force is their love for you. We, we are called to be united in the fact that Christ came to unite us. Christ came to bring us together that we may fulfill the, the goal and, that we were created for 
Whereas sin, its goal is disunity. It's called to divide us, to separate us, to make us feel lonely and shameful. But God came and Christ came to die that we may be unified and brought together in the body of Christ, in the family of God, not to separate us, but to bring us together. So the second thing that we do is we love like Jesus. Um, and, And the reality is, is what I've noticed is that we're only able to love to the ability in which we view someone. And what I mean by that is if we view someone as a hindrance, as an issue, as a problem, as somebody that gets on our nerves, we're, we're only able to love them to a certain extent. And if we negatively view them, then we're not showing them love. But to love like Jesus, we have to, we have to be able to view them like Jesus. And Jesus views them as beloved children of God, people of worth. And so we have to view everyone, not just those that it's easy to, as those types of people. And our, the third thing that we need to do for unity is to pray like Jesus. In Luke twenty two forty two, you hear Jesus as he's getting ready to go to the cross. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And, and I want you to think about this. This is not an easy prayer. I'm sure it's not even an easy prayer for Jesus to pray. I don't want to do this, but my, my will, but yours be done. So what does that look like in your life? When you're thinking, maybe, maybe it comes across as, God, that person really did me wrong. They really hurt me. And I want to hurt them just as bad as they hurt me. But not my will, but yours be done. God, I'm so frustrated with these people that are not like me. If only they would just listen. It doesn't seem like we're ever going to come together. But, and I just want to just, Kick them out of my life, but not my will, but yours be done. God, I've got these people in my life that it doesn't seem like I can ever do enough, be good enough, or just do enough. But God, not my will, but yours be done. God, I just can't anymore. Not my will, though, but yours be done. You see... Part of this, though, in the, in the call to unity is this, is that as we start to view people as Jesus does and love like Jesus and pray like Jesus, that we live into Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, where it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And the question becomes, are we sharpening one another? Building one another up in faith, hope, and love. Because that's what we're called to be unified in, is in faith, hope, and love. And where we put our faith and where our hope, we find our hope and and, and who and how we love. This all comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where it says, Faith, hope, and love abide in these three things. And the greatest of these is love. They're what's going to last. They're the things to center ourselves and our group on. They are the thing that that bring us together as one. And tear down the walls of disunity that we can be unified as the one body of Christ seeking to bring together all. Amen and amen. Let's go forth remembering that the best of all is God is with us.